Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Philippians chapter 4 verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And I want to teach for just a few moments on the subject, living a balanced life for Him. Living a balanced life for Him. Now the word moderation uh, means reasonable, level-headed, not given to extremes, and balanced. You know, when, when you think of uh, like the Olympics or, or races and, and so forth, you have like the, you know, uh, the 100 yard dash or the 100 meter dash, which is a very short race. And it's a very extreme race because the gun goes off and these, these people give it like everything they got for, you know, those few seconds till they uh, cross the finish line. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the marathon, which is 26 miles. Amen. And when we look at life, life is not like a 100-yard dash. It's not like a 100-meter dash. It's not a little short race. It's more like a marathon. Amen. We've got, you know, good days and bad days. We've got situations that come our way. We've got things, amen, as we're uh, going through life. And because life takes endurance, it takes patience, it takes balance, You know, Paul said, I run with purpose in every step. I run with purpose. He he compared life to a race. And he also said, let us run with patience this race that's set before us and doing it looking unto Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. So it's important that we have moderation in our life. It's important that we have balance. Amen. Uh, That we're not swung over one way too far or another way too far. Uh, Because a balanced life is a life that's not given to extremes. Now, that doesn't mean, uh, don't let let the word moderation mean, oh, I'm just going to have a humdrum life. I'm just going to kind of like, I'm not going to be hot. I'm not going to be cold. I'm not going to be on fire for God. I'm not going to be passionate about anything. It has nothing to do with it. We're just talking about balance. Amen. And whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, but balance. we got to have balance in our life. Because there's people, like for example, when it comes to the Word of God, there's people that are on the extreme left that don't even believe all the Bible. Okay? And they pick and choose what they want to believe and accept, and then they discount or do away with the rest. You know, there was even one guy named... Uh, an old uh, famous person, uh, you know, back in the day, his name was Voltaire. You might have heard of him. But he, one day, uh, one evening, he, uh, he, he, got, he found great pleasure in taking a Bible, sitting by the fireplace with a little bitty pen knife, and slicing the pages off and throwing it in the fire, the ones he didn't like. But, you know, here's the thing. You can't destroy the Word of God because it's a living Word. Even if, they, even if you burn all the Bibles, God will put it in someone's heart and somebody will write it down again and will republish it because the Word of God is a living thing. Amen. 
So, uh, you know, they're the ones, these people that want to take away, they're the ones the Bible talks about, uh, you know, take, that, that they take away from the Word of God and uh, that they shouldn't do that because their name will be taken out of the Lamb's Book of Life. And then there's those people on the extreme right, because I'm talking about moderation, I'm talking about balance, that not only believe the Bible, but also add a bunch of extra stuff in there, to, uh, and then they elevate that extra stuff to be equal with the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 said, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness. All Scripture is profitable. Amen. Not the stuff people add in there. Amen. You know, let me, let me give you an example of adding to the Word of God. There, there was, um, you know, in the Old Testament, there's 39 books, right? Genesis through Malachi. New Testament, 27 books, Matthew through Revelation. In between. Now, in our Bibles, a lot of times we'll get to the end of uh, Malachi chapter 4, and then like a couple pages, and then it says the New Testament, like two pages later, and then Matthew chapter 1. And it just seems like it just flows right in there. But did you know that there was 400 years between Malachi and Matthew? There was 400 what they call silent years, where God didn't send a prophet, and God didn't send a vision or a dream. He just kind of was quiet before, you know, John the Baptist kind of, you know, God was changing gears, and it was a silent year. Well, people... You know, people, uh, they don't like that. You know, some people uh, didn't want silence. And so during those 400 years, they wrote more books. And those, there's 12 books called the apocryphal books. And some Bibles, certain Bibles have these extra 12 books between Malachi and Matthew. You know, they're uh, the Maccabees, uh, uh, Bell and the Dragon, Ecclesiasticus, not Ecclesiastes, and there's a, these other books, you know, Maccabees 1, Maccabees 2, and they, they're about the history and, and what was going on during those 400 years, but they're not inspired by God, therefore not profitable. Amen. Praise God. If God doesn't want to speak, we shouldn't put words in his mouth. Amen. That's why he told some prophets, he goes, you know, some prophets say, thus saith the Lord, when I'm not saying nothing, that they, they, they feel like it's time for God to speak, so we got to say something. No, God's quiet, we'll be quiet. Or we'll go with the established word, whatever. Amen. But only the inspired word of God is profitable for us. Now, these people on the extreme right, they're the ones that the Bible warns not to add to the word of God, because God will add to the plagues written in the book. Now, here's a Bible example of adding to the Word of God. It's very interesting that, you know, and, and it's, uh, uh, it's just uh, hard uh, to maybe pick it up if you just read through the first few chapters of Genesis quickly. But, you know, before Eve was created, Adam was created, right? Adam was first, and Adam, Adam and Eve were created differently. So they are different. I know that's a, a big revelation. But um, Adam, you know, they were just created differently. Adam was created from the dust of the ground. He breathed in the breath of life. He became a living soul. But Eve was created from Adam, from the rib, right? Later. But before Eve was created, it was when God uh, told Adam, all right, I want you to be in charge of this garden and all this stuff and ultimately the earth. 
and, uh, and uh, you can have anything you want in this garden except for that one tree. And we talked about it Sunday a little bit. So he said in Genesis 2.17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. So that was the commandment. Don't eat of that tree, that particular tree. The day you eat of it, you shall die. Now, does it say anything about touching that fruit and you'll die? It just says eating the fruit, right? He didn't say nothing about touching the fruit. So why, when the serpent came in chapter 3 to tempt Eve, why did she say, if you touch it, you'll die? When she spoke to the serpent. Very interesting. Genesis 3, 3, Jesus, I mean, uh, excuse me, uh, Eve responded to the serpent and said, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Where'd that le word, nor shall you touch it, come from? Because Adam, and, and uh, here's the thing, I wonder if Adam added that part, or did Eve add that part? See, we have no record of God telling Eve what the command was in the garden. We have the record of God telling Adam, this is what the, the rule is in the garden, and we assume that since we don't see a record of God speaking directly to Eve about it, that Adam, he, he expected Adam to let Eve know this is the rules of this place. When she woke up from her uh, the creative situation from the rib. Amen. So, you know, we, we just don't know what, what's going on. But we just know that that's not what the command of God was. God commanded that and then Eve added that in. That was an addition. So that's how things can, can get kind of uh, off track. It's kind of like, you know, when someone, you know, uh, tells a story and then somebody else repeats that story, then somebody tells another story. By the time that story gets down to the 10th person, now it's got like, you know, uh, it, you know all kinds of extra stuff in there. Yeah. Like, you know, like it could be a fish story, like, you know, yeah, I caught a one-pound trout, and then, you know, the 20 people down, yeah, it was a trophy fit, biggest in the whole Guinness Book of World Records. It was bigger than me, and I fell in the water, and it almost drowned me, but I beat it up, and then I grabbed it and pulled it over, and, you know, it was a thousand-pound trout. Never heard of it, but, yeah, it was big. You know, and so it was, you know, you, you, you know you're adding to. Somebody somehow added to the Word of God. Amen. So those on the extreme left are, res are referred to as left wing, and, you know, and it's, it's in not just, not just religiously, but in po politics, you know, there's left wing, there's right wing, it, 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 in all kinds of uh, aspects of life. And those on the extreme right are referred to as right wing. And one preacher made this observation about the wings. Uh, his name is, he's passed on now, but his, he's, uh, his name was T.F. Tenney. He said, everybody's so concerned and focused on the left wing and the right wing. He said, I want to know what's going to happen to the bird. Like, you know, in between the wings. Like, isn't that kind of important too? You know, he, he, you know, he, he making a joke about it, but it was, you know, it made you think. Like, everyone's worried about, well, we're, we're over here. We're doing this. Way over here. We're doing this. Like, how about the moderation? We got to get the moderation in there. Amen. So moderation has nothing to do with being lukewarm or complacent. It has nothing to do with being a compromiser. We, you know, we know the Bible tells us we got to be on fire for God. And we know the Bible tells us to seek God with our whole heart. Amen. And it tells us that God should be number one in our life and our first love. And we can still do all that and have a life of moderation. Amen. You know, you know uh, 
people talk about work-life balance, right? Some people like workaholics and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, they're ne- you know, people are never home. You know, you, you've, you've seen, uh, there's been movies about it and, you know, people talking about it where the dad's always gone on trips or whatever, but make sure the kids have plenty of toys and everything, but the kids want their dad and not as, you know, so much the toys, you know, uh, because there's something about a family and everything. Um, and a work-life balance, you can kind of compare it uh, to a balanced life for God. You know, we've got to, you know, you got to go to work, but, uh, you know, if you're working three or four jobs and then your family's suffering, or you're working three or four jobs and your spiritual life's suffering, then that's not being moderate in your life. Amen. Dolly Parton said, never get so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. Amen. And then somebody said, work to live, don't live to work. You know, work so that you can have a, you know, a, a nice life, but don't, don't make it your life. Amen. So moderation means not having too much of any one thing dominating your life. Amen. Now we know that some people uh, have addictive tendencies in their lives, and that's why people, you know, that's why there's AA and NA and, you know, I don't know, there's GA, Gamblers Anonymous or whatever. You know, there's all these, you know, to try to help people with, with, uh, with addictions, you know, because they, they started it off with a choice. You know, all these things start off with a choice, and then the thing becomes bigger than you, and you can't fight it. Uh, but it's, it, it's just one extreme example of an unbalanced life because you're giving your whole self to this one thing. And then now this one thing has taken over, and it's bigger than you. Amen. But God is all about balance. He is. In, in fact, when you read the Old Testament... It talks about balances, you know, and you know what a balance is, it, it's the thing that, you know, they, that they weighed something. They had these weights, so these counterweights, and the, and the counterweights had to be exactly right. So if this was like, you know, one pound, you put this over here, and then that would tell you if you, when you put like a pound of whatever on this other side, it would tell you when you had a pound, when the, when the things were just perfectly level. Amen. And God said a lot about balances in the Bible. He said a, a just balance is a good thing when it's when it's right. And, you know, but he said an unjust balance is even, you know, it's a wicked thing. He and he despises it. You know, he, he hated when people took advantage of people because even though this little thing said one pound, they really, you know, shaved, a, you know, a, a, or, you know, shaved a little bit off of it and stuff so that people weren't getting a pound when they thought they were getting a pound uh, or whatever that is. So. Uh, you know, a false balance versus a just balance. God was, all, you know, he, he was all about that. He's all about balance, balance in, in our lives, balance in this world. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter three tells us there's a time for everything, right? Everything under the sun. There's a time for this and a time for that, a time for this. I don't want to read it because there's about, you know, 15 scriptures Amen. So, but there's, you know, there's a few of those. You can read them on the, on the thing right there. So, so I don't have to read them for you, but there's a time for this and a time for that. So there's a time and a place for everything. What does that mean? That means that I have, I, I have to have moderation in my life. Amen. Praise God. And there's a time to pray. And then there's a time to get up from prayer and believe God and wait on him and then go, go do what you prayed. 
and there's a time for this, a time to get in the Word, a time to come to church, a time to have vacations. There's a time for all that stuff. You know, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 16, this is a verse that, you know, there's sometimes, you know, it's amazing, like, you could read the Bible through several times in your life, and then you, you read a, a verse, and you I didn't even know that was in there, you know, uh, in this context of what we're talking about. But look at it, it says, don't be excessively righteous, and do not be overly wise. Why should you ruin yourself? It's like, isn't that interesting? So, so if I am given to an extreme to be excessively righteous, and, and I think an example, a Bible example of excessively righteous were the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees of Jesus' day. You know, they were all about looks. They were all about, you know, show. They were all about honor. You know, I'm going to make sure I get honored and all this. They were all about showing off and doing all this kind of stuff. You know, and uh, excessively righteous and overly wise. It's not, it doesn't mean we shouldn't be, try to be righteous in God's eyes. And, and wisdom is very important. But he said, well, you can ruin yourself when you get out of whack on things in your life. You know, we, we, you know, we, we need a balance, right? We need food and we need exercise. You know, we need, you know, we need vitamins. Maybe we don't get it enough in our food, so maybe we take a little vitamin, you know, or whatever. Uh, we, we need hobbies. Uh, we need work, you know, because we got to work to live, right, to, to, to make a living. We need rest and relaxation, uh, just to name a few. We need these things on a regular basis in our life. Now, here's, here's one example. So, so, you know, they have like one-a-day vitamins, right, which means we should take them once a day. But if a one-a-day vitamin is good once a day, wouldn't two or three be better a day? Oh, yeah. And like, oh, no. Because you could like OD on something because your one-a-day vitamin has already 100% of what you're supposed to be having. And some things are not good to have too much. And then you get more in your food unless you're just living at, you know, eating at McDonald's every day, which some people did. And they saw how their whole life got shot and their health went down the tubes or whatever. Amen. So more is not better. You know, we got to have balance. Amen. Now, God uh, and our salvation and our personal walk and relationship with Him should always be number one in our lives. Always be number one. So God and our salvation and our personal walk and relationship, that's our personal thing. That's number one. And then family is number two. So family can't come before God. Because when it is, we get, it will get messed up. But we, got, we, we put our personal walk with God first, and then family after that, it's going to be okay. Because so, Jesus said in Matthew 10, 37, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So you see, we put, we put God, we love Him first, and because we love God first, we're going to be better parents and better kids and better everything. Amen. Then family comes next. Now family comes before work and family even comes before church. And let me explain that before church. Think, well, wait a minute. I thought, you know, God and salvation 
and our church is part of that. Yes, it is, but we have to be careful because, and let me just, I'll just, um, you know, tell my own little story about myself. Um, over the years, um, I haven't always put my family first. Just being honest with you. And, you know, uh, even before the kids were born, after the kids were born, because I was in ministry, I was like the youth pastor, I was doing this or doing that, and I'd be called away and doing this and doing that and down at the church, and, you know, and I'd love to just go to the church even when there wasn't service and do this and volunteer for that and volunteer for that, all in good intentions, but I was not practicing moderation. I was out of whack. Amen. And those, and, and even though, hey, I'm doing it for, unto God, I'm doing it for God, that, that's not what God was wanting me to do. You know, I had to learn that you don't, you can't do that. You got to put your family, you know, before ministry and before like all this kind of stuff. There's a balance, you know, you strike it and sometimes it's a tight rope and you got to strike it and it's not always easy, but it, it can be done and it should be done. Amen. Because the, if you, because uh, the, the worst thing, uh, uh, somebody that's in leadership at a church or a pastor or whatever, the worst thing that he can do is turn his family away from God because he never, you know, is there for them. You know what I mean? And so that's, that's a really important thing, uh, you know, and, and I thank God that, that uh, my wife and kids are, you know, in it to win it, the whole, you know, nine yards and, and everything. Amen. And we've, we've worked together uh, on all this stuff over the years. Um, and, uh, you know, nothing's been perfect, but I thank God that, uh, that I, I've had to learn, you know, the hard way sometimes that, you know, family, you know, it's God, family, work, and then, you know, the work of God is what I'm trying to say. Amen. So, um, and, and you know what, you know, and here's the thing, you know, the Bible says pray without ceasing, but you know what, we can't be praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because that won't, that, that's not, I mean, unless you, you know, you're going on, you know, you want to take a little sabbatical and you want to go on like uh, three or four days of prayer and you want to shut yourself in, that's, that's fine, you know, and you allotted that time and stuff, but realistically in life, we can't be 24 seven for, you know, days on end. Because we've got commitments, we've got family, we've got things to do. So it's balance. You know, you can't fast, you know, your whole life either. Or you sit there, you can't read, read the Bible, you know, 24-7 either. Because I got to, you know, there's, there's other things I got to do. You know, I got to, you know, you got to play a game with the, with the family or something. And, you know, we got to have some fun. We got to do this, whatever. So I'm not saying these things aren't important. But in their time and in their place, you know, they're, they're important in our lives. Have you ever heard the statement... Some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. I've heard that statement. That just means that some, and I've met some people over the years that, you know, they have breakfast with Moses every day and uh, on Mount Sinai and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, that is awesome. I, I've never had that, you know, or whatever. And, uh, and, you know, it's like their feet don't even hardly touch the ground and, you know, this and that or whatever. And, um, you know, and, and then there's the opposite of that, you know, which, which are some people are, uh, you know, the opposite of too heavenly minded. So we've got to have the strength of balance in our lives. We all need good quality family time, time spent eating together. You know, people don't eat together anymore. 
Everybody's got, you know, their gadgets and they're in other rooms and everything and watching this and doing that and, and uh, nobody like eats because, you know, there's nothing like eating together and talking about the day, you know. I, I remember we used, the kids would come home from school and my wife would come home for work. I'd come home for work. We'd sit down and, we, you know, we'd eat, you know, dinner and we'd talk about stuff. They'd talk about school and this and then we'd laugh and we'd have all a big old time. And there's just something about that. Telling stories, having fun, laughing together, making great memories. That, that's, you know, part of a balanced life. We've got to have a healthy life. And, you know, families that pray together stay together. And families that read the Bible together and talk about it amongst themselves will be stronger. And, uh, you know, there's a time and place for everything. We need some prayer each day. We need some word of God each day. And when the, ha- when the doors are open for the house of God, we try our best to come here and, and get the word with the, with every time it's open. And we need some rest and relaxation. And every day we need some good interaction with our loved ones each day. And we just got a purpose in our hearts. Lord, help us to be balanced. Amen. Because, you know, you can get excited about something or you can, you know, just be whatever about something. And, and then it just starts eating up all your time or whatever. And that, that's good. You know, you're passionate about something. But, you, you know, you got a life. You got other people looking to you or depending on you or whatever. So I just want to encourage all of us. Let your moderation be known unto all men, for the Lord is at hand. Amen. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast and may God bless you.